Good everyone. A couple of things uh, to let you know about. Uh, that uh, one that uh, was the thing Brendan thought he had to mention, and then couldn't remember what it was, uh, and that is that our parish annual general meeting is coming up, and all the details are there on your weekly snack. And also in your weekly snack is a multicoloured, because but they're all variations of yellow. Uh, form and uh, I just want to encourage you, you might think why on earth would I go to an AGM, that doesn't sound very exciting, it's actually a really important uh, important part of the life of our church where we uh, hear about our plans, hear about how the money you give to support the work of the gospel is used, Uh, we keep people accountable but we also elect people to represent us. So if you look on that form, uh, we need people to serve in various ways and uh, please ask them before you nominate them. Every year I receive forms for Snoop Dogg and other uh, helpful people, but uh, uh, or for people who I know are not interested in serving in that role. So I just want to warn you now, I've had the laugh, it's okay. Uh, but uh, uh, there are, it's really important that 630 Church have representatives on parish council uh, and in some of those other roles. And just to explain what they are, parish wardens uh, are the people who particularly oversee our finances uh, and the parish council then helped them with that, but also managing all our uh, sites and all that sort of business, and then just uh, supporting me and, and the team in what we do in our church. And the parish representatives to the presentation board do absolutely nothing uh, unless I'm hit by a bus, and uh, then they choose my replacement. So uh, they do nothing. They've done nothing for 18 years, but and I'm not intending for them to have to do anything this year. But they're a really important role because they uh, choose, help choose our our minister. Uh, Now that's the AGM. Uh, Also I've got some news to share. Troy's not here tonight because Troy and Sarah have had a baby. So there you go. So uh, and his name is Elijah Dylan Munns. So there you go. Our series on One Kings must have had a profound effect on them and uh, they've named him after Elijah. It's not a bad thing to pray for him though, is it? That he'll grow up to be like Elijah, to be as faithful and fearless in preaching the gospel. So uh, why don't I pray for them now and I'll pray for us as we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that wonderful news. We thank you for the gift of new life uh, and we pray, give you thanks that uh, Sarah and the baby are going well and we pray for little Elijah and his sister Harley that uh, they will grow up never knowing a day where they do not know the love of Jesus and do not hear the good news of the gospel. And we do pray for Elijah that he might be like his namesake, one who is faithful in following you whatever happens and one who faithfully proclaims your word to anyone who will hear it. And we pray now for us that you will help us to pause, to listen, to think uh, about what it is that we're on about as a church and what role we can play in that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Something... uh, miraculous happened this week, a a miracle occurred, something absolutely amazing. Someone told me that, uh, I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday night, but on the ABC TV news bulletin, in the full half hour from 7 to 7.30, they did not mention the word COVID once. Isn't that a miracle? I was watching the uh, Q&A show on ABC on, uh, I think it's Thursday night, and it was about to have gone for like an hour, and then one of the panellists ruined it and said, do you know we haven't talked about COVID for this whole time? I thought, ah, you ruined it. But they got through the news. Now, sadly, it took the start of a horrible war and uh, some of the worst floods in recorded history to push COVID off the the bulletin, but still, I think it's a miracle. Uh, It's amazing. And it sort of coincides with my thinking about church. That even though we couldn't have our big day out, 
uh, because we weren't able to organise that around all the COVID restrictions with the school that was hosting us. It's time to get back to thinking about church normally. Uh, There's a reality, if, if I can put it this way, it's time to say we're living with this now and so it's time to stop saying, oh, but with COVID, oh, but with COVID, you know, it's time to stop that and to say, let's just think about church and this is how we run church now, let's get into it. Uh, and what we're on about as a church, I want us to start thinking about that again, setting aside COVID and remembering what it is to be a part of this church. And I also want to say how wonderful it is that so many people have joined us over the last little while, in this congregation especially, but right across uh, our parish, there are still some people who I don't know very well, uh, some people who I'm, I'm not quite certain on your name, so I call you mate or that sort of thing when I, when I see you because I haven't got to know you yet. Uh, and part of that is with COVID, we haven't been able to welcome you as well as we would normally like. Uh, normally we have anyone who's new over to my place for a meal to hear about what we're on about and so forth. Uh, so tonight I also want to help those people see what this church is that you've become a part of and invite you to be a part of it. So that's what we're doing tonight. So what are we on about together? Well, our church has a really simple vision statement uh, and it's just drawn from the scriptures and it's this, we exist to glorify God. That is the number one thing. That's what we're on about as a church. In the end, everything we do is so that people will give the glory and the honour to God. And then we do that especially in three ways. First of all, we proclaim Jesus. So if the only way to know God, if the only way to find forgiveness is through trusting in Jesus, then nothing is more important than telling people about Jesus. Isn't that right? Is there anything in this world that could be more important than proclaiming Christ to people? And so that's why that is front and centre of everything we do. Then secondly, though, we grow disciples. God wants everyone to not just come to know Jesus, but to then grow to be more and more like Jesus. That is God's desire for you. Not just that you find salvation in Christ, but that you grow to be more like Jesus. And so that is one of the reasons that the Bible is just at the centre of everything we do, because that's how you grow as a disciple of Jesus, by coming to know God's Word better and better. And that's why we make such a big thing of everyone being in a gospel team. Uh, That's because we want every person in our church meeting with other Christians, grappling with the Scriptures, encouraging one another in that way. It's why we focus on the Bible in all our youth ministry, in all our children's ministry. We don't run Kids Plus so that parents don't have to pay for after-school care on a Friday afternoon or a Thursday afternoon at Bexley North. We do it because we want to teach kids the Bible. We want to see even children grow as disciples of Jesus. But then thirdly, we're on about serving together. Uh, We are convicted that the Bible, uh, from the Bible, that God gives every person in his church gifts that it is our responsibility to use to build the body of Christ, which is his church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that is our vision as a church. It's really simple. Uh, We don't like to make it complicated. I can't handle too much complication. Really simple, drawn from the scriptures. That is what we do together. We exist to glorify God and we do that as we proclaim Jesus, as we grow disciples and as we serve together. And it's that final part that I want to focus on today, serving together. Because for many of us, our opportunities to serve have actually been more limited uh, over the last two years. That is just a reality. Other than people who are really good at running Zoom meetings or operating cameras or that sort of thing, their their business has boomed, you know. Uh, For others... Our opportunities to serve have been limited by COVID. I've actually had a load of people right across our church say that to me. 
They say, hey, I've just got to get back into serving. I've got out of the habit of serving because things shut down and all that sort of stuff. How, when are we going to do that? And I told them, wait for tonight. So there you go. Uh, so as we get into the new normal, we all need to think about how can I be a part of serving? How am I going to be a part of serving? Before we get to that, I want to go back a step. I want to think about why serving is actually at the centre of what it is to be a Christian. And there's two reasons I want to draw out. They come up on the screen, but you should also have your outline as well. So the first one is, we follow a Lord who serves. Our first Bible reading today was really short compared to the second one. That was one thing. Did you notice that? Jess was up and gone before he'd even got to the... And then Askin was up here for half an hour. But Jess's Bible reading is one of the most important passages in all of Scripture because it's where God first chooses a people for his very own. When he goes to Abraham and he makes promises to Abraham, and if you saw in those three verses that that Jess read for us, at the very centre of God's plan in choosing a people was so that they would be a blessing to the whole world. And that actually sets the whole agenda of the Bible. God is a God who wants service happening, wants people to serve others, and that's because it's the essence of who God is. It's the essence of who Jesus is. So the most famous verse on this is Mark 10, 45. This is the verse I talked about at the life course last Tuesday night. It's, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, the very core of the gospel, keep it on there, please, Beth. Uh, the very core of the gospel, Jesus coming and dying to pay the price for our sins, was an act of service. Jesus did not come for us to to bow down and worship him, even though that's right. He came to serve us, even to the point of giving up his life. Self-sacrificial service of others is why Jesus came. And nowhere do you see that more sort of poignantly than in that story we read from John 13 before. So open up your Bibles. John 13 is where we're going. Uh, So here at this moment, Jesus and his disciples, they come to share a meal, but this is no ordinary meal. One, it's the Passover festival, where they remember God's salvation of his people. But more than that, this is the final meal Jesus is going to share before he goes to his death. So this is his final meal with his disciples. And so as they they come here to share this meal, uh, and in that world, you've got to remember, of sandals, and open sewers and dust and where you walked everywhere, your feet were awful. So, I mean, I hate taking my shoes off when I've been wearing them for a while if there are other people around. It's not helpful for anyone. But theirs is a world apart. Theirs is a different world. And so you actually had a servant. It was a servant's job to wash the feet of the people so they could then enjoy the meal. But in steps Jesus. Look with me from verse 4. It says, So he got up from supper laid aside his robe, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. And the disciples are rightly horrified. See, we, I don't think we get that actually their reaction is the right one. Sometimes we sort of judge this. Don't you know Jesus is the servant? Don't you know Jesus does all these wonderful things for you? What they do here is right because this is the Lord. This is the Messiah. This is the the Son of God. He's their master and yet here he is washing their feet. Their reaction is right. They're all mortified. Of course, as normal, it's only Peter who has the guts to say something. So look at verse 8. He says, you will never wash my feet ever. As I say, in a sense, his reaction is right. 
Surely we should serve Jesus rather than have Jesus serve us. But Jesus will get to that in a minute. First, what he does is he takes Peter's reluctance to have him wash his feet and he uses an opportunity to teach a wonderful lesson about what he was going to do the very next day. So look at the rest of verse 8. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Now Jesus at this point is not talking about this symbolic little washing of the feet. He's talking about what he is going to do the next day when he goes and dies on the cross. And through his death, he washes us clean of our sin. As some of the old hymns put it, washing clean by the blood of the Lamb. He's talking about what his death will do for us, wiping out our sin so that we can be forgiven. And his point is, unless you let me wash you clean by trusting in his death, then we have no part of him. We remain under God's judgment like we deserve. And so I want everyone to please hear this really, really clearly. More than anything else, before you even think about how you serve, make sure you have been served by Jesus. Before you even think about how you serve, make sure you have been served by Jesus. Make sure you have been washed clean by trusting in Jesus' death for you. Because do you know our world is actually littered with people who go to churches and hear a talk inviting them to serve and they serve but they don't actually know the love of Jesus. So in the end they wonder, why am I doing this? Or they think they're earning God's salvation by doing it. No, 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 no. The most important thing is that Jesus has served you and that he's washed you clean. But back to this story, the disciples give in, they let Jesus wash their feet, but then he explains the significance of what he's done. Look at me from verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, this is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. What he's saying, he's saying, if you are my disciple, then you are a disciple of the humble servant. You are a disciple of the foot washer. That's the one you're, you're following. And so Jesus says, don't just let me serve you. Now follow my example and serve one another. And I love the next bit. Look at verse 16. He says, I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. I hope you see how powerful that is because Jesus is saying, don't you dare call me your master if you are not willing to serve others. Because if you're not willing to serve others, you're saying you're better than Jesus. That is a horrible blasphemy. You see, if you know Jesus, you will serve. That's the logic of what he's saying here because you follow a master who serves. Which leads into my second point and it's sort of related. Jesus has saved us to serve. Now, we've seen that already in John 13, but I want to go to one of my favourite passages in the Bible to look at it, which is Ephesians chapter 2, and it's going to come up on the screen. And look at this with me. So Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Aren't they just the most wonderful verses? They are the verses you should know off by heart. Every Christian should just know that off by heart because that is the gospel in a nutshell. We do not serve to save ourselves. No one can work off the debt of their sin. There's no one who can stand before God and boast about all that they've done. No, we are saved how? By 
grace. It's a free gift of God. And you receive that gift how? Through faith, by trusting in Jesus. It's like that wonderful hymn we sing, which says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. That is faith. Faith is coming to God empty-handed, saying, I am just a worthless sinner, but you have died for me. Simply to your cross I cling. But now, having been saved by grace through faith, the passage goes on to verse 10. And look at verse 10. It says, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. So you're not saved by works, but we are saved to do good works. It's the same as John 13. We are saved to serve because that's the essence of good works, to serve God and to serve others. And I love the image there in verse 10. When you become a Christian, you are born again. Sometimes people get scared by that phrase because they see American televangelists talk about being a born-again Christian. There's no such thing as a not-born-again Christian. Every Christian is born again. It's what it is to be a Christian. When you become a Christian, God makes you into a new creation, a new person. You are born again, and now this life you have, your old one was for serving you. This one is for serving Jesus. Which brings me to my third point. How are we to serve? What does service look like in the life of the Christian? Well, the answer to that is limitless. You see, see the answer of how can I serve Jesus is limitless because it's, it's living your whole life to serve him. And I would hate it if people thought my service of Jesus, if people said, how do you serve Jesus? And they said, by handing out the weekly snack at the door. Or, or, or by running the sound desk, or, or if people thought that was their service of Jesus, it is service of Jesus, if people thought that's what it involved. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is such a key verse for understanding your life. Look at that. It says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. What this verse teaches us is that you don't worship God by going to church. You don't worship God by singing songs. You don't worship God for for two hours on a Sunday. Your worship of God is living your whole life, giving your body, that's your whole life, as a living sacrifice, giving your whole life for his service. And you know, another way of translating the word worship there is service. It's a word that means both things because actually service is, is the essence of worshipping. You see, you worship God by serving him and by living your whole life to please him. And so what does that look like? Well, that means a massive part of how most people serve the Lord is in their workplaces, in the way you work during the week. You spend so much time in your, well, some of us spend so much time in our workplaces, in the way you work hard, in your honesty, in the way you treat your work colleagues. A massive part of our service to the Lord is in our families, in the way we treat and serve the Lord, in the way we live as as godly sons and daughters or husbands and wives or, or parents or wherever you fit in into the life of your family. We do it in the community as we love our neighbour, you know, as we show generosity to people, especially as we share the good news of Jesus with people. This is all part of our service if you do it to honour God and because of your faith in Jesus. So how are you to serve? 
I hope you can't list it out in five points on a piece of paper. I hope you you would come to, to thousands of pages because it is limitless. Count the ways how you are to serve. But the Bible tells us that there is a priority in serving the body of Christ. And so that's my fourth point. We especially exist to serve the body of Christ. Yes, every aspect of our life is in the service of Jesus, but God's word says that every one of us has gifts that God has specifically given us to build his church. That is, these brothers and sisters sitting around you tonight. The picture the Bible uses over and over again for the church is the picture of a body. It comes up in Romans 12, comes up in Ephesians 4, comes up in 1 Corinthians 12. We could only have two readings, so I couldn't have one of them read. Uh, and just like our bodies need every part to work together, if they're going to work properly, so it is with the church. The eye needs the nose, the nose needs the hand, the hand needs the heart, the heart needs the lungs. And God makes you the way you are, And he gives you the gifts that he has given you. And he says, now you work out how to use those gifts to build up my church. And God says, that means don't be jealous of people who seem more gifted than you. Don't be jealous. Don't don't, don't think, oh, I wish I had that. No, just praise God that they can use their gifts to build up the body and you can use your gifts to build up the body. But you, you just worry. Use the gifts God has given you to serve and to encourage the body of Christ, which is his church. I love how he puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. See, that is the most wonderful news. God has made you who you are. You don't have to be like someone else. God has made you who you are, And by his spirit, he has given you gifts that you can use. So some people here are great teachers. Some people are great encouragers. Some people have the ability to be over-the-top generous. Some people are great administrators. Some people have really practical gifts. They can do things I can only dream of doing. But it's like we saw in the parable of the talents last week. You remember last week's sermon? Don't worry how many talents God gave you. Don't worry whether, am I the five-talent slave or the two-talent slave or, or the one-talent slave? That is not the point. The point is how do you use the talents you've been given? Will you use them in the service of Jesus? But it's interesting in the New Testament that whatever different gifts we have, there is one thing we should all be doing for one another. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Here it is. This is taught to all Christians. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. See, every Christian serves every other Christian in one simple way. And that is by speaking the truth, that is God's word, to one another in love. You see, to build each other up, to encourage each other as disciples of Christ, we speak the truth of God's word to one another. Some people get a microphone to do it in sermons. Other people get to quietly do it in their contribution in their gospel teams. Other people, uh, they do it in personal conversations over the hub or after church or or in a phone call during the week. Yesterday, I know a few of you came to the service we had for Nora Cox yesterday, and we heard testimonies from people all over the world who Nora writes letters to. They've actually, you know, had to 
put a special plaque on Carlton Post Office. That's not true, but you know what I mean. She goes there that often to post letters all around the world. I meet people. They come to Australia and they say, I know who you are. And I say, how do you know who I am? And they say, because Nora has sent a copy of your sermon to me in the Highlands of Scotland to read. You see, you can speak the word of truth in love and so you can send an email. You can do it in any way, but we can all serve by speaking the truth in love. There's so much more the Bible has to say about serving together. I originally meant this to be two talks on the big day out. Now I'm sort of doing it as a short talk on the small night in, is what I'm calling it. But uh, uh, I would love to talk more, and I think lots of us need to hear this, about how Christian service is to come out of joy, not out of obligation. That's something to think about in the Scriptures. I'd love to talk more about how uh, our service should be driven by our love for other people rather than seeking to build ourselves up. Uh, and I'd love to talk more about what I shared last week from the parable of the talents, that serving is ultimately for our own good. And I might just briefly talk about that for a second. You see, practically that is true. Uh, nothing helps you grow as a Christian more than when you teach the Bible to others. I've seen this so many times with mainly people from this congregation, when people for the first time teach kids' church and they've got to write a talk and suddenly they start grappling with the Bible more deeply and they just grow exponentially as Christians. Nothing helps you grow in your love for God's people more than when you actually get involved in serving God's people more. So you see, I just want to say serving others, actually, you know when, when we say it is better to give than receive, it's true. Serving others actually benefits you more than the person you're serving often. But there is also that heavenly reward for service. It's what we saw last week. That reward of having Jesus say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You used your life well. Come and share in my joy. In the end, that is why I want everyone here to be a servant, uh, so that we can all know that joy when Jesus returns. But now, I want to get totally practical and I want us all to think about how we're going to serve. So I've got some faithful assistants and they're, uh, this morning they're a bit slow handing these out, so they're, they're rushing now. But uh, uh, now these forms are coming out, but I want to just say, do not touch this form with a pen now. Okay? I want to scare you here. Uh, because if you fill it in right away, what you do is you don't prayerfully think about it. You just say, yeah, yeah, I've done that before, I'll do those three things. You know, that sort of idea. I want you to, to hold on to this form. I want you to take it home and I want you to prayerfully consider your service as a part of your church. And then you can either fill in the paper version and bring it next week or you can fill in the online version you're going to get sent during the week. And for people watching on, I just looked at the wrong place for the camera, for people watching uh, at home or in the other hall, hopefully there's some going over to the other hall, but, uh, and Kevin's saying there is, but uh, for people watching at home, you'll get an email with, with this. But all I want you to do now is look at the form, not fill it in, okay? But I need a copy of the form too, so I know what I'm talking about. But no one's heard me. There you go. Brendan has. Thank you. On the front is some encouragements to read. Uh, on the back is where I want you to look at. Uh, the first is, the first one at the top is if you actually want to talk about serving in a ministry team during the week. And I think that is actually the most important part of this form. And the wonderful thing is, at 6.30 Church, nearly all of you already do that. 
So nearly everyone at 6.30 Church serves in various ways, whether it's youth ministry, whether it's kids ministry, all sorts of things during the week. Gospel team, leading, uh, international ministry on a Friday, so many ways that people at 6.30 Church serve beyond just the Sunday service. But if you're not already involved, you're not signing up for anything for ticking that box, what you're saying is, I'd love Troy or Phil or Avril or someone to give me a call so that we can just chat about, are there ways that my gifts can be used better at church? Uh, and are there, is there a ministry team that I can be a part of? So actually, that's the most important one, number one. But number two there, with all those tick boxes, every Sunday, there's maybe 20, I don't know, I've made that number up, but something like that people involved in just making church happen. Uh, and given the importance the Scriptures put on our gathering, on gathering together and serving one another, it's my hope that every single member of 630 Church would be willing to put their hand up to help in different ways on a Sunday. And if you put your hand up to, to do it in multiple ways, you don't have to do the ball every Sunday. You know, that's the, the more people there are, the more it spreads around. But it might be serving on a roster to do those smaller but very important jobs like Bible reading or greeting or pack up. Uh, maybe it's serving on a team like, you know, tech sort of guys at the back, PowerPoint and sound, that sort of thing. Might be music. Uh, we always need to know if there are more people with music gifts who can serve. Uh, the hub has come back, so we need people who are willing to serve as a part of that. Uh, but I want you to go through that carefully uh, and think about how you might serve in the life of our church. I, my personal view is we don't have enough of you up here regularly. And I want the people who are up here more regularly, not up here as regularly, because there's other people up here regularly. Does that make sense? So I think sometimes we go, oh, there's other people who lead the prayers, there's other people who do the Bible reading. I want us to show our diversity and, and the fact that everyone can, can be involved in serving. So have a look there, find ways uh, that you can be involved in serving at church. And then you'll also see on there some occasional but wonderful ways to serve. Uh, the people who I think Jesus will give a special clap on the back to are the people who serve in cleaning and mowing. Uh, but also things like, you know, cooking meals, administration, uh, and uh, your name can, can go in as part of those rosters. So I want you to take that home. Uh, I want, remember, service is all of life. This is only a part of it. Don't, don't fall into that trap I warned about before. But please take that home and prayerfully think about how you are going to use your gifts to serve and build Christ's body. Now, though, I'm going to come back in a minute and talk about some other things after this. Uh, in the life of our church. Now we're going to have a song, so the musos are going to come on up uh, before I come back. And our song is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. <laughs> 